are continuing the, this little series that we're doing on the subject of prayer. Uh, teach us to pray. This is a question that they had for Jesus. If you remember, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 11, which have different kind of angles uh, on this very, very famous Lord's Prayer that we quote and we know. How many of you grew up as children and you could recite the Lord's Prayer by heart? You knew it backwards, inside out and backwards. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your your kingdom come, your will be on earth as it is in. Give us this day our daily. Lead us not into, but deliver us from. And what, what, uh, I forgot a part. What did I forget? Oh, no, no, I forgot a part. Ah, there we go. Uh, the ever important forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us or sinned against us. And we just know this thing inside out, up, upside down and backwards. Uh, but we've been looking at it in a little bit of depth over the last couple of weeks. So in the first week, we talked about persistence as the first, uh, the first lesson. Those of you on Facebook, you should be able to see the slides nice and clear now. So hopefully you're, you're tracking with us that way. So pray with persistence is the first lesson. And we see that Jesus, the broader context of this prayer, he talks about uh, ask and seek and knock. And, you know, he gives different stories. And who of you, when you, when you ask your father for a piece of bread, is he gonna give you a scorpion? Well, of course not. Well, who do you think you're talking to when you talk to God? You know, ask him, seek, knock, and persevere as you do so. Jesus seems to assume that we pray. He says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. So be persistent when you pray. Don't give up praying. Don't stop praying. And we use the example of uh, this is a famous picture now. I hope you're seeing it on Facebook too. This is Tom Brady who made history a couple of weeks ago by winning his sixth Super Bowl, grr. Those of you who don't like Tom Brady, you're grrring along with me. But you have to acknowledge the man's persistence and perseverance and ability to learn. That's a picture from the year 2000 and the famous combine event where these college players strut their stuff and he was mediocre at best and looks mediocre at best right there. But six Super Bowls later, the joke's on all of us who said he was mediocre. And Jesus talks about the persistent widow, another story about praying and not giving up. Remember the lady in Luke who's in Luke chapter 18, and she's, she's, a, she's a widow. There's a, 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 someone's coming against her and maybe extorting money from her. Who knows? And she wants justice against this individual, and she's stuck with an ungodly, unjust judge, and she pushes and bothers that judge over and over and over again. Give me justice against my enemy. Give me justice. Give me justice. And this poor judge, he just is so worn out from her persistence that he grants her her request. And Jesus says, well, that's an unjust judge. What do you think God's going to do when you come to him? You see, lesson after lesson where you're told to persist in prayer. And then last week, we looked at ways that we shouldn't pray. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't pray certain ways. And he talks about different 
problems with motive and, and method in the way that people were praying back then. And uh, we looked at a modern example. Some have changed the way of something, and it changes everything. And in, uh, this is in communist China. You have this, this clip that went uh, 7 million times in one day. Uh, this, this president of, uh, sorry, um, I was going to say prime minister. What do you call him? A um, principal, principal, my mind's in politics, uh, principal of an elementary school. And he changed the calisthenics program in, in China. It's a bit of a taboo in a communist country, a bit out of the box. And he brought the shuffle dance, which is from the West, into the calisthenics program. The kids hated there anyway. And the interest level went really high, and the kids love it. And you've got to go on the internet and look at this clip. I mean, this guy can boogie. Like, he's really good. He's got groove. And he's got the whole school behind him. And they're all doing the shuffle dance, and the kids are engaged. And they're doing better in school because he changed the way that they were doing something. Jesus says, don't pray this way. Don't pray that way. And he talks about a couple of different ways people shouldn't pray. Uh, one was the, the people who he called hypocrites or actors, and they like to pray so that they can be seen by people. So they pray on the street corners, and they pray nice, loud, fancy prayers so that everybody says, whoa, look at how that person prays. They're so spiritual. They're so pious, or in today's language, they're a prayer warrior. Wow, they can really pray. And he says, well, with those people, they're praying so that they can be seen and acknowledged by other people. They already have their reward. You see, when you pray, you shouldn't pray like that. You should pray in secret, and God will honor you when you pray in secret. These people, they love to be seen by men. He talks about another way we shouldn't pray. Uh, um, well, this I'll, I'll skip it and go back to it. Another way we shouldn't pray is to pray like uh, he says, the pagans or the non-Jewish people of all different, different religious views. And the ways that they prayed was to, he says, babbling. And he kind of invents a word there because the Greek word, we don't know what it means. It's sort of blah, 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 blah. They babble and babble and they go on and on and on. And they think because they use so many words and they say it over and over and over again, so many words, and they dress it all up. They think that they're going to be heard for their fancy words. And he says, no, you're not going to be heard for your fancy words. You don't have to switch to King James English when you pray. Uh, God acknowledges the heart, you see. And God knows what you need before you ask. Back up one slide, and we see that even the half-brother of Jesus, James, he talks about a way not to pray with bad motives, he says. You, you, you ask for something, but you don't receive it. And you're upset, you wonder why you don't receive it. Well, I'll tell you, you don't receive it because you want to spend what you get on your pleasures, on yourself. Your motivation is wrong. So we see things in the scripture from Jesus, even from his half-brother James there. Uh, don't pray this way, don't pray this way, don't pray this way. Uh, and we learn that there's a difference uh, between vain repetition and perseverance, right? They're not the same. We have an example of vain repetition in way back in the Old Testament, the showdown on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the, the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. And, you know, he sets up this sacrifice and he says, well, well, we'll see which God is the real God. The one that sends the fire down and burns up the sacrifice, he's the real God. Ha ha. 
And so you know the story where they call out to their, their God, Baal, and they go on and on and on, and they babble on and on and on. Oh, Baal, hear us, hear us, hear us. And nothing happens. They start cutting themselves. They start to do all kinds of bizarre things. Nothing happens. And then Elijah, he goes over to his sacrifice and throws water on it. He throws water in the trench, everything. He, say, he prays one little simple prayer. The fire comes down, licks up the whole thing, right? So you don't, it's not your fancy words that you use, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So today we're going to start lesson three. I hope you're tracking uh, on Facebook. I'm jumping all over the place here with the slides. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to talk about lesson three here, and that is very, very simple. When you pray, and again, Jesus assumes that we do pray. So when you pray, start with God. Very, very simple. When you pray, because some people, they don't have a clue how, start with God. Now, oftentimes when we pray uh, and we pray the Lord's Prayer and we recite the Lord's Prayer, and that's kind of the way we pray. So, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, I'll just pray the Lord's Prayer. And I'll just keep praying the Lord's Prayer. Maybe something will happen if I pray the Lord's Prayer. You can go to churches where they pray the Lord's Prayer every single time they meet. And you watch the people as they're praying. And the way that they pray it becomes almost like a robot. It's almost like so monotone. It's so robotic. It's so. It's like, do you even? Are you even listening to what you're saying, or are you just reciting this thing as if it's some kind of magic words? And often, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we do the exact same thing that Jesus said not to do. We use it as a kind of a magical formula. We just blah, 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 repeat the Lord's Prayer. And that's the Lord's Prayer. He's not saying, when you pray, pray this prayer. He's saying, when you pray, pray like this. This is a model. There's something in here that has meaning, and you should learn what the prayer means because this is a model for you. You're not supposed to recite the Lord's Prayer just over and over and over again and think that you're praying effectively. You may not be praying effectively at all. If you're not understanding what he meant by the prayer, really, it's just vain repetition. It's just blah, 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 even with the Lord's Prayer. Don't get me wrong, it's a great prayer to pray, but do you know what it really means? And this is what Jesus is after, so be careful not to turn the Lord's Prayer into the very thing that he said not to do when you pray. Start with God. There is so much in this prayer. You could spend weeks looking at this prayer. There are volumes and volumes of books that have been written about this prayer. Because in this prayer, there's so much to learn about God and us. There's so much theology in there. There's so much stuff in there. It's like he took a whole bunch of ideas and packed them into this very, very short, simple, succinct section here. It's like he took a whole bunch of things and just zoom, put it in a tiny little little convenient little capsule almost. But you have to understand what it means. There's so much in here. He starts the prayer this way. Our Father who's in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And we looked at this last week. Jesus uses this term 
Father, Father, Father over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. In the Gospels, we see this is how he prays. Now, do you know, and I asked the question last week, do you know those of you who, who you know, maybe you're, you really think you know your Bible, do you know any time in the entire Old Testament, the entire 39 books of the Hebrew canon, do you know any time where any person addressed God in prayer as their father? Do you know of any single time where they called out to God this way, addressing God as father? You will not find one. So when Jesus says this, he kind of raises the eyebrows in the room. It's not that the people didn't understand the concept per se, but they did not address God this way. And you can see it in prayer after prayer after prayer in the Old Testament that we have. People did not really call out to God in this personal term of endearment that speaks of a relationship calling out to God as father. And he says, our father, not just my father, but our father, i.e. the whole community of faith can call out to God in a relationship. And this is pretty, pretty interesting. This is pretty spectacular. So there's terms that we use in, in theology and we talk about the imminency of God and the transcendency of God. Okay, don't let that trip you up, but it's on the screen. Let me explain this to you. We see the imminence of God and the transcendency of God just in this opening, opening statement. So what he's saying when he addresses God this way, with this personal term that speaks of a relationship, Father, he's saying that God is near. God is personal. God is, to put it in fancy terms, He's imminent. He is here. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We can call on God now as father. He is imminent. He's not off somewhere, you know, sitting on a cloud, uh, observing the universe from afar. Wow, I wonder what they'll think of next. Look, uh, look what they're doing to the thing I made. Good grief, you know. Can't wait until maybe they'll just all destroy themselves and look at what they're doing. And he just sort of sits up there twiddling his thumbs and he's this distant, non-relational, non-personal blob up in the sky somewhere. This is not the way that Jesus is depicting God here. He's saying... Our father, he's imminent, he's here, he wants a relationship, he wants community with you, same way that you would have community with your natural father. Again, we talked about it last week, some people have bad experiences with their own natural father, this is hard for them, but Jesus is assuming a positive experience here when he uses this term, our father who's in, but in, in, in heaven. Now that's transcendent. You see, so he's here, but he doesn't live here. <laughs> you say, well, I don't understand that. that doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm glad it doesn't make any sense. God is everywhere all the time. He, he's, uh, he's omnipresent. We use that term. But where does God live, if you will? Where is the place where you can see God face to face? 
where there's no barrier, where there's no hindrance, where there's no blockage, where you can see him and experience him face to face, soul to soul, if you will, eye to eye, if you will. Where is that place? Does it exist? Where is God in that sense? And Jesus says, he's in heaven. This is transcendence. This is outside of ourselves. He's, I mean, you, you don't see God standing in front of you here. Uh, you will one day, but you don't see him standing in front of you here. And this is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying there's a transcendency to God and there's an imminency to God. There's both. He's our father and he is in heaven. Now, you can take those two words and break them down even further because they have tremendous application in today's world. So this term father being used of God, is it male or female? It's not a trick question. Is it male or female? It's male. Do you know how much trouble this is for people today? People say, well, so you're saying God is a he? So he's he. So how come he's not she? How come he's not it? I mean, nowadays, in, in, in this culture, and it's going to spread around the world, nowadays, we're afraid to even talk about g g gender. Like, nowadays, we're saying, well, let kids choose their own gender. Let them choose it. Don't tell them their gender. Let them figure it out. And if they want to go this direction, let them go that direction. What's the big deal? Don't impose gender upon your children heaven forbid good grief i mean where have we come folks that's the, that's where it's going it's going in that direction it used to be that when the baby came out you'd be able to tell right away and you'd say it's a boy it's a girl but now we're saying let them decide let them put it on their passport let them put it on their birth certificate don't impose they have the right to choose, and don't you dare say that God is male. What an archaic, chauvinistic, chauvinistic, misogynistic idea that is. Oh, here you go again, you Christians, with this he thing. And look at, look at God, after all. Doesn't, isn't he a bit of a male chauvinist? I mean, look at this, and you're going to convince me to call out to God as father? Is that true? You know, this is a big stumbling block for people. Uh, this is a subject for another day. You can unpack this in a whole message. Uh, but let me, let me tell you that if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you're going to discover that, number one, God doesn't have a gender in that sense. He doesn't have a physical body. He doesn't have, like, DNA. Okay, God is a male the, the term is used in a particular way to try and show a paternal, you know, male kind of characteristic and all of that. But it's not trying to say God has a body and God is physical and God is male. And also, again, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you will see places, even in that mean, nasty, apparently chauvinistic Old Testament world, uh, that God has some characteristics that are maternal and that are female. Uh, go and listen to my Mother's Day message from, I think it was last year or the year before on our website, and you'll see, even in the Old Testament, we see how God has characteristics that are 
the, the metaphors used are very maternal and very feminine and very much like that. So also, when you, when you turn to the Gospels and you see how Jesus interacted with women, oh my word, one could argue that Jesus was the, the original, uh, you know, person to stand up for the, the rights of women. Like, you could argue this. You see how he breaks social and traditional taboos in the way that he interacts with women from the story of the Samaritan woman at the well who he wasn't even supposed to talk to to the fact that, get this, in the Gospels, written by men, by males, in the, in the, you know, the first century, in the Middle East, in the Gospels, who are the first people who allegedly discovered the empty tomb of Jesus? Were they men or were they women? They're women, and it's men who are writing that. Did you know that back in that time, a woman's testimony in a court of law was useless? They didn't even believe that women were smart enough to have that, that, I'm telling you, that's the status of women in that time. And yet the gospel writers written by men say that women discovered the empty tomb on which Christianity is based. Whoa, that is really, really outside of the box. So be careful when you start thinking about, well, God is a male, God is a male, and oh, that's really, really bad. Read the scripture and you'll see something different. This whole thing of the hashtag Me Too movement, this is affecting people's perceptions of God. It's in the church too. Have you heard of the church too movement? Okay, so the Southern Baptist Convention in the United States, 47,000 churches, the largest evangelical denomination in the United States. There, that, that whole fellowship of churches has been rocked in the last year by several scandals involving sexual abuse where, that was treated in, a, in not handled correctly by leadership in different churches that has rocked the entire movement where you have this hashtag church too where people are saying, hey, I have experienced this in the church context. Imagine what that does to people's perceptions of God when you use this term he and father. Wow, it really colors their perception our father in heaven so he's transcendent so the two most popular views you're going to see today the two most popular views you're going to talk to your non-christian friends about today the two most popular views that you see in in media in movies in television all over the place you have pantheism and you have panentheism these are the two views. These are fancy terms. Pan means all. Panen means all in. So in pantheism, everything is God. All is God. The tree is God. The birds are God. The sun is God. The creation is God. Everything is God. That's pantheism. In panentheism, everything is in God. So God, he's in it. He's out of it. But everything is, all is in God. You see this worldview in, in Avatar. You see it in the Star Wars series. You see it all over the place. Your friends and your neighbors, their version of God has more to do with pantheism and panentheism than it does with what we see in the Bible. But here, Jesus is saying, our Father who is in heaven, he is imminent, 
and he is transcendent. Have you ever thought about heaven like recently? Have you ever spent time, you ever meditated recently about heaven? So you, again, search the scripture. I don't know why people don't, aren't, aren't just, just so excited about what they see in the scripture when it comes to this because all of us, without exception, whatever your religious belief system, maybe you're an atheist, it doesn't matter, all of us, without exception, we are going to pass through the curtain of this life. It's going to, we're, we're going to die. All of us, every single one of us. The hope that we have in scripture that is, that is shown to us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is that there is hope on the other side of that curtain. Is that there is an eternity on the other side of that curtain is that there is something there something that can be consciously experienced the moment that someone passes from this world and that place can be a, a place of torment and that place can be a place where god is our father who is in heaven and people get really say, oh, don't, don't get up on your soapbox preacher and talk to me about hellfire and brimstone and try and persuade me to come, become a Christian. I'm going the other direction. Okay, do you know how much time Jesus spent talking about hell? Quite a bit of time. He spends quite a bit of time talking about heaven. In fact, he spends quite a bit of time talking about things that we don't think about a lot. Heaven, hell, one that we do, money. He spends a lot of time talking about that, but he certainly addresses eternal issues. He certainly addresses what's there on the other side and the hope that is taught in the pages of the Bible. It's progressively revealed from Genesis to Revelation, but the hope that is taught that is for the person who is in Christ to be absent from the body, in other words, something leaves the body, is to be at home with the Lord. Guess where? in heaven where the father is have you thought about it recently have you meditated about it recently i had a conversation a couple of conversations this week uh with some volunteers over at the mission you know that i that i serve there a couple of days a week now and uh, run a little team of volunteers and we run their 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 thrift store over there it's a terrific fun experience to be with unchurched people and to serve the community and so i had a couple of conversations and uh and we'll, we'll, we'll close with this in just the next few minutes. And, and um, it was one of these ladies, it was one of their birthdays. So there was a little to-do and they, were, they had a little cake and they're talking, you know, and I'm trying to run the place and they're, they're somewhere having cake and coffee. And so I went to get them say, hello, like I know it's your birthday, but only happens once a year, get back to work. You know, a bit of, uh, you know, it wasn't that harsh. But anyway, they said, oh, yes, yes, we're coming. We're coming. I said, well, that's good. That's good. You're a great volunteer. So come work and work now. So anyway, they're, 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 they're talking. So, well, we were just having a conversation, a really deep conversation. I, I, I said, about what? And someone said, someone said well, it was, it, was about, it was about God. I think they were talking about God. And the lady whose birthday it was, she said, no, no, no. It was, it was greater than God said, really? And they know I'm a pastor. They know I have a church, la, la, la. And so I said, well, what, what could be greater than God? She said, well, the universe. 
I said, well, God created the universe. Oh, well, yeah, that's what you believe. I said, uh, okay, well, so, so you know, help me out with this and where they were going. Uh, and, and she said, well, we're talking about something greater. And I said, hmm. I said, so, so, so did you know that the universe came from, from nothing? And she said, she said, well, yeah, that's my husband believes, the Big Bang Theory. So I don't know if she even believed it herself. And I said, well, do you know that that theory says that something came from nothing? I said, can I ask you a question? Have you ever seen something come from nothing? And she looked at me with a blank stare. She said, oh, that's deep. <laughs> I need a glass of wine to think about that one. And she was really serious. She said, wow, I never, I never thought of that. I said, well, have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen something come from nothing? Well, I, I don't know. I, you know, she was a bit stunned that I even asked the question. And that led to another conversation, just letting you know how easy it is to have conversations about these matters with people because they are thinking about it, folks. Even in the province of Quebec, they are thinking about it. And they, they've got to do a conversation with another lady to piggybacked on the same conversation. And she starts talking, and she said, you know, you know, God, you know, I used to believe in, I think I still believe in God. I used to believe it a lot more, though. And we started talking. I said, well, tell me about that. Like, how come? And, and she started talking about her life. And she started talking about her children. And then she started talking about her late husband. And she's a relatively young woman. I said, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, tell me what happened. She said, well, he died of colon cancer in his 40s, very young, a number of years ago. And she, she went on and got, got into the story and talked about it. And she's just kind of talking about her own life. And she said, you know, and she used more colorful language, of course, than I'm about to use. And, and she said, you know, you know, I used to believe, but I, I think I still believe. But, you know, how can when these things happen, she used a different word, when, the, when these things happen, you know, like, why? 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 And, I, and she said, you know, it made me really, really angry. Why? And I, I looked at her. I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I said, I'll tell you what I do know. Even if, you, even if you try to find an answer why, it's not going to change the reality that you've lost your husband. I think maybe a better question might be, how am I going to live now that I lost my husband? Because even if you figure out why you lost him, in the grand scheme of things, you still have to live afterward. And she said, yeah, yeah. You know, and we started talking. We kept talking more and more. She said, but how do you... You know, you're a, you're a priest. She called me a priest. And, and I said, how do you, how do you? And I said, I looked at her and I said, listen to me. I said, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the reason why I believe what I believe. And I believe there is a curtain that we will pass through one day. And, uh, and, and that is evidenced by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And she was very, very respectful as she listened. And, you know, we're building a bit of a, a, bit of a rapport as, as we talk. There's no fancy answer, no nothing. Do you see how easy it is, folks? People are thinking about these things more than we, more than we realize. Are you? Are we as a church? Are we taking advantage of the reality that we're with people every day who, if we're open and if we're talking to them, they're going to start to share their lives uh, with us? Have you thought about heaven recently? Start with God when you pray. There's so much in here. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice, he's not asking for anything yet. He's just acknowledging God, starting with God, the imminence of God, 
the transcendency of God and hallowed, which means set apart, holy, is your name. In today's language, remember who you are talking to. When you come to God, you start with God and you remember who you are talking to first because your tendency is to forget. Your tendency is just to go to God like he's Santa Claus, just the real one. So, God, I want this, 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 this. He didn't like that because he knows it's true. So, so God, I want this, 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 this. You're God. I want this, 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 this. And I hope you're hearing me. I want this, this, this. Hey, look, I'll even quote some scripture to you. I want this, 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 this. And what God is saying, excuse me, do you know who you're talking to? Do you remember who you're talking to? Do you remember I'm your father? Do you remember I'm transcendent also? Do you remember my, I'm, I'm holy? Do you, do, you, do you know who you're talking to? And when we remind ourselves of who God is, it, what it does is it increases our faith, you see. And if you inspect some of the prayers, the great prayers that we see in the Bible, a lot of them have more to do with the character and the nature of God than their request itself. You, see, you read these prayers and you say, okay, I want to pray like this dude prayed over here. I want to pray like this lady prayed over here. And you go and we look through these prayers and we study these prayers. And what we do is we get past the first few parts. We say, yeah, 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 he's God, he's the creator, he's this, he's this. Yeah, 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 I know that already. But I want to see what did, how did they ask? Maybe if I ask the way that they ask, maybe I'll get what I want. And I know all that stuff about God already. And then why are they saying that anyway? It's redundant over and over again. God, you're the creator. God, you're all powerful. God, you're holy why did they say that anyway i just want to get to the that is the do you understand they they understood those people that who you're talking to and you remind yourself of who he is sometimes it dwarfs the request itself they start to become enamored with the character and the nature of god as they pray and that's why we read it over and over i mean it's almost every prayer the, the most noted ones in the Old Testament, almost every single one, you see all of this stuff about who God is before they start asking for things. And sometimes they don't even ask for anything. They just come to God in acknowledgement of who he is. And you can do this. I, I do this all the time when I pray, and we'll, we'll end here. When I come to God, I have to remind myself of everything from the ground up. So I have to remind myself, okay, who is God again? Yeah, 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 okay, he, God, you're the creator. Wow, you're the creator, the creator. So the world is telling me that you're not the creator. Uh, the world is telling me about an explosion billions of years ago. And you know what God says? He says, yeah, so the best the world can come up with is an explosion billions of years ago that something came from nothing. That's the best they've got. That's the best humanity has come up with Billions of years ago, there was an explosion that produced something out of nothing. So uh, that's the best they have. Have you ever seen something come from nothing? <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's say there was an explosion billions of years ago, something came from nothing. That means the universe had a beginning. My word says in the beginning. That means time had a beginning. My word says time had a beginning. Uh, I created it. So that's the best they have. And I start thinking about that. I said, wow, God, you're the creator. No matter how we cut the cake. You're the creator. I mean, you have the ability 
to bring something from nothing. The best that we could come up with is that, that something came from nothing. We don't know how it came. We don't know what caused it. We haven't got a clue. We just know that something came from nothing, which we never see in the material world ever, ever, ever. So that's the best we have. Say, wow, God, you're the creator. Man, that is, if I really believe that you're the creator, however you did it, I mean, I could sweat on that for years, but if I really believe that you're the creator, man, you probably can get me through the day. You probably could do that. That's like, if you're the creator, wow. And so you're, you're the father, you're my father, but you're in heaven, wow. And you start thinking about that, and you start pondering those things, and you start meditating on those things, and that mountain and that prayer request that looks impossible, remember we sang, nothing is impossible for you, that it starts to become your testimony. You say, man, God, you can, you can get me through this problem. You can, you can do it if you are all those things. Oh, and by the way, you rose from the dead too. Oh, okay. I think I can make it through the day. I think I can, right? So this is what God wants. This is he wants us to understand. Remember who you're coming to when you come to him. He is our father. He is in heaven and holy is his name.